everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday BibleQuest.org talk show. If you're joining us through the live Zoom app, be sure to open the question and answer and clicking on the Q&A button near the bottom of your video screen. We want to hear from you, so use the Q&A box to ask your questions and give us comments. Now, if you're using the app as well, you have the ability to raise your hand by clicking the hand icon. If you do raise your hand, it's possible for us to give you the opportunity to talk with us live on the show. If you're joining us through Facebook, you only have the option to text questions or comments using the comment box on the Facebook page. Well, with all that said, let me welcome our panelists. Scott, normally broadcasting from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, is joining us today from Decatur, Alabama. Hi, Scott. How's it going, Drew? Good to see everybody. Good to see you, too. And also, Norm Broadcasting from Gettysburg is Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Tell us where you are today. Welcome, everybody. I am in Murray, Kentucky. Wow. Good to have you here all the way from Kentucky. Jeff Smeltzer, you're joining us from Exton, PA, right, Jeff? I'm in my normal place. Good, good to see you today, too. <laughs> all right, Jeff. So before we go further, though, why don't you give us a plug for the new Bible Quest talk show that you'll be starting? Yeah, tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock and every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, Lord willing, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Joe Works and I are going to be doing a program similar to this. One of the things we're going to try to do each week is have a a special guest who will have some knowledge of something interesting. Uh, I hope all of the program is interesting, but tomorrow we have Josh Gertler as a special guest, and he has a Ph.D. in biology. He is a research scientist. He is going to be talking with us about what evolutionists say behind closed doors. So that should be interesting. 3 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Well, that does sound interesting. We'll go ahead and put that link on the BibleQuest.org uh, website. I guess what we're going to call that the Wednesday show. Yeah, that sounds good. Now, right? <laughs> we've, we've been struggling to come up with a good name. That that sounds as good as any. <laughs> right. So this will be the Tuesday BibleQuest show. That'll be the Wednesday BibleQuest show show. Great. Well, listen, I'm your host, Drew DeGrado, broadcasting live from Honesdale, Pennsylvania. We're so glad to have everyone everyone with us, especially you in the audience. All right, so let's get to our discussion today, which is about the prophet of God who believed a lie. We even know this happened during the Old Testament times. This event has at least one very important application, probably more than one. Also, as we discuss the story, it's probably going to raise a few questions or two, you know, that we maybe haven't thought of before. So we do want to hear from you in the audience with your questions and comments. So, Scott, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Our story is going to be in 1 Kings 13, where we're going to see a prophet of God operating by the word of God up to a certain point, and it'll become clear later. But first, we need to set the stage So just kind of politically and geographically, guys, what has just taken place that kind of sets the table for 1 Kings 13? The kingdom is just divided. Yeah. Before this, we called it the, to distinguish it, we call the period before the United Kingdom, the first three kings were Saul, David, and Solomon. And uh, Solomon has been unfaithful uh, in the latter part of his life. The kingdom will depart from him uh, from uh, after he dies, although he'll ret- his son will retain part of it. 
And so his son Rehoboam is going to be king in the south. Somebody kind of fill us in about Jeroboam. Well, Jeroboam leads a rebellion. He, he first of all, comes to uh, Rehoboam and says, are you going to treat us like your father did, uh, which was very sternly or not? He's representing the 10 northern tribes. And so Rehoboam says, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to be tough on you. So, And I'm summarizing and paraphrasing here. But then Jeroboam, in, in, as a result, leads the 10 tribes of the north in rebellion to set up this separate kingdom. Rehoboam wants to militarily bring them back into the fold. And, and the prophet of God lets him know, no, that's not what's going to happen. This is from God. This division is taking place. But Jeroboam is not a godly man. And in order to secure his position and his distinct kingdom to keep people from going back and being loyal to the king in the southern kingdom, he sets up two places of of worship. He sets up the golden calf at the southern end of his kingdom near Jerusalem uh, and at the northern end of his kingdom at Dan in the north and Bethel in the south and says to the people, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt. Worship this golden calf. And he doesn't, where should they have been going? Where was the temple at this time? Where? In Jerusalem. Yeah, in Jerusalem. But that's in whose territory? Judah, southern king. Rehoboam. And so, as Jeff has described, he's got these these two places set up. And one of the things he said, it's too far for you to go down to Jerusalem. And so here, here's your God's worship. So we've got a, a foolish king in the south and a foolish king in the north. Uh, but in the process, we've also got these golden calves set up and the people being encouraged to do that. Hey, got, go ahead. So, so you mentioned Jeroboam saying, yeah, it's too far for you to go back to Jerusalem. Can you show us how far it was from Bethel to Dan? I mean, Jerusalem. <laughs> not Bethel all that far. No, it's not that far. <laughs> it's uh, it, lots of times when we don't want to do what we are supposed to do people will come up with an excuse that may be awfully, awfully flimsy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He also set up, he chose priests who were not from the tribe of Levi, contrary to the law of Moses. They were not sons of Aaron, not even Levites in some cases. And and he instituted a special holy day um, like one that the Jews had in seventh month, but he set up one in the eighth month that was not from God. And and the text makes it plain in First Kings, the 12th chapter. I'm just going to read real quickly here, verse 33, the last verse of chapter 12. He, Jeroboam, went up to the altar, which he had made in Bethel on the 15th day in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. So the emphasis is upon he's doing this of his own initiative. When we get to the end of chapter 13, it's just going to plainly say this became a sin to Jeroboam. And he's more concerned about the politics. And really, if he would have had faith, because a prophet had earlier told him, you're going to be given these 10 northern tribes. You will be faithful. Your house will be established but he's not going to be faithful. Instead, he tries to depend on his own wisdom. I've got to keep the people from getting back in the influence of Rehoboam, so I don't want them to go to Jerusalem, so I've set up these caps. And so with that, Drew, read us for us, please, and bring us into chapter 13. Okay. Um, before I start reading, I just want to remind everyone in the audience again, as we go through it, 
question pops up in your head or a comment, text it in. Okay, verse 1. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. All right, so Jeroboam is there. This prophet of God, this man of God, comes from Judah in the south, comes up there and does this. Gentlemen, what do you first see about this man out of Judah? What start stands out about him? Well, well, I don't know if it's about the man himself, but he starts talking to the altar. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing that jumps out at me is the focus is not on this man so much as it is by the authority with, with which he speaks. It doesn't even tell us his name, but he speaks by the word of the Lord. Exactly. And then he cries against the altar by the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, he, and when he brings up the point about uh, born of the house of David, he's well, he's indicating that the 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 Davidic king is the authority. It's going to come out of David. And of course, Jeroboam at this time is authorized to have the northern kingdom, but he's not authorized authorized to have set up this golden altar. And so there will be this son of David that will do this later, but also right now today, something's going to happen. And so Drew takes this next. Yeah. Okay. Verse three. And he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar saying, seize him. And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. Uh, it sounds like he took that personally, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, well, you're, you're king. You're the big shot. You just set up this new place to worship. You got your fancy gold cap. It's not aluminum or anything. You've gone all out on this. And here's your big day. And somebody comes up and makes a proclamation. So, hey, you're king. He stretches yep. out his hand and says, seize him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it dries up. And we have a question to the earlier, uh, or an answer to the previous question. Uh, anonymous viewer in the Q&A said uh, that he's careful to follow God's word uh, about this prophet. Yes. I don't know his name, but that's going to be notable about him in the first part of the story. And keep watching to see how he follows God's word or doesn't as the story goes on. Yeah. Before and, we get before we get too far ahead here, let's make note that that what the prophet has said it, it's he's talking about something three hundred years in the future. This conversation is taking place in the in the late tenth century or nine hundred. What the the kingdom divided what about nine hundred thirty one, and and so we're right after that period of time. And he's talking about Josiah, who's going to be king in the late 7th century, or Josiah is going to be killed in 609 B.C. So we're looking ahead 300 years in history and in time, and he's saying there's going to be a king 300 years from now who's going to come along and destroy this this ungodly 
altar here. Well, who's going to believe that? How's there any way to, to confirm that? Well, he's going to give a sign here. And um, we're going to see that here in just a second. Yeah, the sign is the hand. Okay, the altar also was torn down and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, entreat now the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. Boy, Jeroboam changed his tune in a hurry there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. Now, I'd like to ask again, people in the audience, you can be going to BibleQuest.org and replying, or you can text at 530-507-8378. This story is going to end up being a, a sad story later. And th there's a heavy lesson there for us. But before it turns sad, it's remarkable how many qualities we see in this man. I want you to be thinking about what qualities you see just so far in the verses, because there's, there's more than one. You're talking uh, about the prophet. When you say this man, you're talking about the Oh, prophet. yeah, yeah. The man of God that came up from Judah. Right. Jeroboam has done something he shouldn't have done. Then Jeroboam is going to have this man seized, who's doing what God said to do. And then, as Jeff said, his tune changes awfully quickly. Uh, uh, fellas, anything further on this spot right here? Well, I think it's interesting that uh, this man does pray for King Jeroboam after he sees him, you know, and then he's like, oh, please pray for me. And he, he does. And the Lord restores his hand. Yeah. And and, and he's, uh, as we noted before, he has been doing this by the word of the Lord. He went up by the word of the Lord. Uh, and here this is going to be done by the word of the Lord. And as Stephen just said, um, well, pardon me. I've got a, I've got behind or ahead of ourselves. <laughs> uh, Not uh, sure which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Stephen's referring to what we had there in verse six. So he, he's 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 not holding a grudge. You know what verse? I noticed? I just noticed also the king. He didn't ask for forgiveness, did he? No, he doesn't seem to be asking for forgiveness. He's, he's worried about his hand. That's all he's worried about. He's worried about his hand. Yeah. When a tornado comes through, people are praying for what? Their physical safety. Um, tornado passes over, and they get back to whatever sins they were walking in before. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting point. All right. Any other, what, what other qualities do, do we see in this man besides the fact that he's been loyal to the Lord and besides the fact that... Uh, He's, he's kind enough to restore his hand afterwards. Okay. Yeah, there's a, from someone from the audience uh, put in a, a comment. It's very similar to what both Christ and Stephen did when they were being mistreated. I yeah. think that, that's with, the, with his willingness to pray for Jeroboam, even though Jeroboam had tried to seize him. Uh, other, yeah. You know, the, the, I, I may have missed it when, when we were in the earlier part of the text, but it's impressive this prophet from Judah is willing to go to the rebellious kingdom coming from king. If, if you think about a civil war and you're going to go over to the other side, yeah. he goes to the northern kingdom and he's going to confront the king of the northern kingdom 
and tell him something he doesn't want to hear. That's impressive. That's courage. It is courage. And, okay. and then when the king now tries to flatter him and says, um, you know, come home with me and refresh yourself and I'll give you a reward. The, the prophet has been told not to, to accept that, just to go return, go back another way, not, yeah. not dilly dally. And he is, he is true to what God told him to do. Yeah, Drew, take us through that text, please. Well, just before we move on, that we had a couple of things. Laurie Biesecker in the comments also said that courage is one of the things you see, and also that he stays on his message. Um, yeah. He's not elaborating. He's just sticking to what the Lord, by the word of the Lord, gave him to do. Yeah. I wonder why Jeroboam didn't pray pray to the two calves to have his hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Drew. <laughs> he, asked the, he asked the prophet. Oh, dear golden calf, please restore my hand. Yeah. All right, verse 8. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your house, I will not go in with you, and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so was it commanded by, uh, by commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now, we don't have that where that command was given, except here. He knows it. Right? Yeah, he's been, he had been told to go up there by the word of God, and he had been told not to eat or drink there and, and come back a different way. So it's, he's so far, unfortunately, it'll change, but he's obedient. He's, he's not vindictive. He's courageous. You know, I, I think I would have preferred to go in the middle of the night and go place a curse on that altar and then, then yeah. get back out. He goes down right while the king is standing there. And anytime you have a king, who do you have around? All his soldiers, staff. And this guy is alone, but he had the word of God with him. He, he, he was there by God. And he's standing in that. And also when a king, when a king says, let me give you a reward. That's impressive. Yeah. And you insult the king. You make him look bad if you turn it down and walk away. You know, yeah, yeah. You, I don't care which you had a homeless person uh, a sandwich, and they said, "Here, here, I want to give you something." You might not want what they're offering. <laughs> when the king says, "I'm going to give you a reward," that could be pretty big. And yet, there, there's no hesitation at all. He goes, "No, it was commanded for me by the word of the Lord. Don't eat here. Don't drink water. Go back a different way." By the way, does he say why God gave him that rule? No, no. And that's a question I was going to ask you, Scott. Is there an application there? Or do you have any insight on that? Well, it's our job to obey whether we understand everything about it or not. Exactly. We're not a committee to decide whether or not we approve of God's rules. All right. Anything further before we go to the next side? Let's find out what happens. Drew, take us through here. Uh, now, an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told uh, to their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. 
And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. Now, the text doesn't tell us why he pursued him, uh, but it, it doesn't it seem to indicate that he's upset that he's interfered with Jeroboam's golden calves and and he wants to be associated with him and he was a prophet of God. So what might be some of this older man saw? We're going to see his behavior later, but what might be some of his motivation here? Uh, maybe is it possible that he could have said, I'm going to test this guy to see if, because he didn't see the event. He just heard about it. Maybe he wanted to test him to see if he really is a prophet from God. You know, uh, the older prophet, uh, I believe he is a prophet. The Bible calls yeah. him a prophet. Later on, God is going to speak through him to the young prophet. No, I was referring to why he might have been wanting to test the man identified as the prophet from God from Judah. Yeah, and I and I'm just gonna and I was just gonna add the thought. Uh, maybe it's he's up there, he feels kind of alone, and here comes a prophet. Yeah. He feels some camaraderie. Oh, yeah. I, I want to be, I want to hang around with this other guy who's a prophet like me. And maybe he's kind of an old prophet, maybe a little bit out to pasture or something, and he can. I don't know. We're, we're speculating a yeah, little. Yeah, we don't know, but it, it would be easy for it to be something like that. It may be that he's rather distraught over what Jeroboam has done. But he hasn't had the courage to take a step himself. But he, he wants he wants a chance. He, he hears about it. Which way did he go? I want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And so he, he offers hospitality, which is a great thing, except he lied. Where he's going to lie. Well, he hasn't yeah, lied he yet. He's about to lie. At this point, it was, I think, a noble offer. Come back, have dinner with me. He he probably doesn't know the restriction that had been stated. But now we have the prophet from Judah saying, I may not return with you or go with you, or, or neither will I eat bread or drink water in this place. Andrew, read this verse 17 again. It's got our phrase again. Yeah, for it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. For the prophet from Judah, so far, so good. Right. And what he has continually done over and over in this text is operated by what? The word of the Lord. Yeah. He went there by the word of the Lord. He turned down the king's uh, reward by the word of the Lord. He turns down the hospitality of the older prophet by the word of the Lord. And now we come... Verse 18. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Hmm. So without giving away what's going to come next. What do we see right here? What problems do we see? We see more than one. What are the two problems we see? We see two claims to being the word of the Lord. We see something that the young prophet knew he got from God, said one thing, and now he's being told by somebody else that they have something from God, namely the old prophet, but it's a different thing. Yeah, I have a, I have a question for you. That term... And an angel spoke to me. 
by the word of the Lord. I tried looking up to see if that term in that phraseology was ever used in the scriptures by anybody, and I couldn't find any. Well, you know, when you think about the law of Moses, we think about God speaking to Moses at Mount Sinai, but in uh, two or three places in the New Testament, in Acts 7 and Galatians 3, it talks yeah. about the law being ordained by angels and the angel that spoke to Moses in the bush. So God often uh, spoke through angels, and oftentimes in the Old Testament, there'll be a passage that'll talk about somebody seeing God or God speaking to someone, and then later on, we'll find in more detail, it was by means of an angel. Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And what do we find out? Well, actually, in the form of angels. So, yeah, and that's why I brought that up, because that phrase may not be exactly quoted that way. But that would have been something that the, the prophet from God, from Judah, he wouldn't have looked at that and thought that to be unusual. No. But he should have why. What should have what should have stood out to the prophet from Judah? This is not what God had said to him. Right. I want you to think about the statement in Galatians chapter 1. If we, or an angel from heaven, preached you a different gospel than the one you've already received, let him be accursed. There's something powerful that when you receive something and you're able to confirm this is from God, you don't give that up lightly. Even if someone else claims that they have something from God, you have to first weigh it against what did God actually tell me, and I know that that's from God. Exactly. So, so I want to interject something. Well, I'm sorry, Stephen. Make I thought you were done. Go ahead. I'm just going to quote the proverb, you know, buy truth and sell it not. Is yeah. So yeah. Let, let me interject something here. We have a word from God that we know is from God. What, what we have in the Bible, the, the scriptures, we know that's the word of God. And then somebody will come along and, and he'll tell, I, I hear this so often, somebody saying, well, no, I believe this. Well, the Bible says this. Well, I know because the Lord laid it on my heart. Are you okay. doubting that the Lord has spoken to me? Well, yeah, I am. Uh, if I if I read what I know is God's word and you're telling me that I'm supposed to accept what you're saying because you just feel so strongly God has spoken to you, I don't want to make the same mistake that the young prophet is making here and believing a guy just because he says an angel of the Lord spoke to me. Scott, you and I uh, had a um, an encounter with a, uh, shall I give his name? A <laughs> He's probably back in jail, so probably. <laughs> well, no, that's another one. I was talking about the one in the. Um, uh, oh yeah, Moses. Yeah, yeah. North Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the and the justification for women speaking in the assembly, in fact, preaching, in spite of what we read in the Bible, and it was just stated. He had well, prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit told him it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were studying with one of the people that they went to his church, and when he he confronted that guy about that, he said, don't worry about it. I prayed about it. The Holy Spirit told me it's okay. Now, one time on that text, I showed it to somebody, and the person said, 
God's not telling me that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> now, just real quick, Stephen's got his hand up. I'll see. We'll go right to you. But just for what it's worth, we ended up finding that pastor hiding behind the door of his office. But that's a, <laughs> that's a story that we have to say for another time. Go ahead, Stephen. We have a question from the audience. Uh, it doesn't say who it is, but they they ask, "What are your thoughts about how the angel of the Lord commanded Abraham not to strike Isaac?" And I'll take a stab at that. My thought there is that uh, that is the Lord actually communicating through an angel. There's a difference exactly. between somebody saying an angel spoke to me exactly. and an angel speaking to you. Yes. And saying, you know, don't lay your hand on the boy, uh, you know, Abraham. And uh, so I think the difference in what we see with Abraham and what we see with the older prophet yeah. here. And because, Stephen, what does the word angel mean? It just means messenger. Yeah. So when a messenger of God, you know, says something, that's what we should normally do. But in this case, verse 18, had an angel spoken to this old prophet? He was lying. Yeah, it tells us right there he was lying. And so we get back to that problem. Yeah, when when an angel of God tells Abraham, stop, he, he stops. But what we've got here is this fellow is lying and the, the, the fellow from Judah trades what God said for what somebody else told him God says in contradiction. And uh, maybe a minor point, it's not the main thing at all, but we also need to watch our motives. We need to stick with what God said uh, anyway. But if you put yourself in this fellow's place, he was not to eat or drink. He has gone up there to Bethel, and though it's not far on a map, he wasn't driving in a car. He's probably hungry and thirsty by now. And so when the invitation is, come back and you can eat. There's a loyalty to the word of God until not only is the lie a lie, but it's a lie that it would be nice to believe. Yeah, Eve had a talking snake tell her a lie talking snake that'd be pretty impressive but it was a lying talking snake and it's yet the lie suited her desires and so even in spite of the fact she already had the word of god not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil she believed the lie we gotta find out what's gonna happen in this story we're gonna run out of time here oh yeah let's hear it steven you had a comment one more thing on this it's just interesting that he introduces this by saying i also am a prophet as you are there's this camaraderie appeal to hey we're on the same team and sometimes when we feel that about somebody we let our guard down it's like i can trust them we're on the same team everything's cool and was following peter in Galatians 2. Right. And, and that's sometimes it's even more dangerous when we feel that camaraderie with someone that we are more liable to be led astray by them if we're not careful. That's a good point. That's a good point. Now, we can see here, we're going to move, start move quickly more uh, faster through the text now. But I want everybody to notice, we've got two people did something wrong here. The older prophet lied. And the younger prophet traded what he knew was the word of God for what this other person said was the word of God. And if you had been asked by the Lord, who should I punish immediately here? My inclination might be one thing, but let's look and see what happens and learn the lesson from it. So now in a quicker pace. Go ahead. We just got two comments in before we go to this next section. Oh, yeah, yeah. From the audience. Uh, Lori B. Sucker put in the comments, possible application. 
when the young prophet heard something different than he understood God's will to be, his mistake was not going back to God for the answer or in the absence of further communication from God, sticking with what he'd originally been told. Maybe we stick with what God's word says when we hear something from another source. Um, That's a a great point. And I got a text question in here that says, uh, this is an example of why it is important to follow what has been told by God rather than listening to someone who we respect. And they use the same example that uh, Scott just referenced, Peter and Barnabas. In Galatians 2, that Barnabas was led astray by Peter's bad example there. All right. Let's move on through the next text, several verses. It, it, uh, we'll go through several screens at a time and just let the story play out, and then we'll come back and talk about it some more. Good. Take us through. Okay. And, and as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had been brought him, who, who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water, your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion met met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, it is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. Therefore, The Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word that the Lord spoke to him. And he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in the road, and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. And the lion had not eaten the body or torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And after he had buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. So we see the older prophet obviously is sad, you know, about what has happened, feels bad about it, and now tries to do what he can. But... This this passage, it always, when you get to the verse where he lied, it looks like first you got one evil guy that should be punished and one innocent person who shouldn't be punished at all and who gets eaten by the lion or killed by the lion. The young prophet who believed the lie, who had done so well up until that point in the yeah. story. So what that what that says is God regards the sin of being led astray by a lie. That's as big a sin as any. It's certainly in this story. And and there's a there's a kind of something we've said over and over. It's stated in Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse twelve. Um, those who love not the truth. Those who I, I'm gonna have to turn over there and read it. I'll be turning there. Somebody uh, I'll get there in a second. 
Yeah, there are. There's some verses in the New Testament that uh, bring to bear on this. While I was turning there, I'll mention Romans chapter one. It talked about the sin of idolatry is that they exchanged the what? Truth or truth or a lie? Yeah, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. Yeah. So who had told him, "Don't eat there and don't drink there"? The Creator, God. And who did he up end up obeying? Uh, a creature. The, 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 the creature. Yeah, yeah we're creatures too. And, uh, and so it, it's this that we need to, well, in the past there in Thessalonians talk about uh, believing a lie if we don't have enough love for the truth. You got that text, Jeff? Yeah, I'll start. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 talks about he whose coming is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all the seed of unrighteousness for them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God sends them a working of error that they should believe a lie. At that point, if we just stop there, it might just seem like, what chance do I have? I've got Satan here with lying wonders deceiving me and God sending me a, a lying uh, a working of error. But verse 12 makes it clear what's going on here that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If, if it comes down to the fact that I am not just set on doing what God said, no matter what I want, no matter what is convenient for me, no matter what desirable thing is put in front of me, the fault is mine for being led astray. And what does it say in 1 Corinthians 10 when it lists some of the immediate judgments that happen on people in the Old Testament? Don't, many were destroyed this way. Many were dis, this many were destroyed this day. These things happened unto them by what? By reason by way of, of example. That we should learn not to do what they did. So we certainly shouldn't be you know, the, the old prophet here and walking around saying, oh, you know, an angel spoke to me and said this when, when we're lying to manipulate things. But we also don't need to be this prophet from Judah who just prefers to be lied to here or, or accepts this in, in spite of the fact he knew what God had said to him. Yeah, we've got a few more verses there to finish up with. All right. Stephen, do you have any other comments in there? No, just that uh, I think it's it, – this is one of those stories that I think at first strikes as unfair, uh, but we have to be sure to, to, to know that the, the Lord knows hearts. Uh, the Lord is the one who, who makes the judgment in this case, and uh, he knows the heart of the young prophet, heart of the older prophet, and is trying to teach us a powerful lesson through, through the outcome. And I would hope that the prophet from Judah, after being rebuked, and the rebuke comes through the older prophet. You know, this older prophet now, he does have a message. While they're sitting there at the table, you know, here's the word, you disobeyed, and hopefully he repented. Uh, and I think we see a different attitude in the older prophet as well. But we get to the end of the text. Drew, you want to take us through the end there? Oh, sure. Let's finish that up. For the saying that he called out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places that are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. He recognized the validity of that young prophet. Yeah. 
And after these, after this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. Which is the opposite of what he had been offered in the promise through the prophet, who said, if you'll be faithful, you know, your house can be established. He's not, and it won't be. So Jeroboam is the epitome of, of what the young prophet uh, should not have been. Um, the young prophet needed just follow the word of the Lord, and he did so up until a point, and right. then he was led astray by a lie. Jeroboam has just whole hog gone after ignoring the word of the Lord and doing what he has decided in his own heart. And after getting his shriveled up hand healed, now I like the boy. Why didn't he ask the golden, golden calf to do it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he gets he gets what he wants from God and goes right back his disobedience. So the kings in the northern kingdom hereafter, it'll often say of them, they did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Uh, Jeroboam kind of set the standard here, and his kingdom followed thereafter. So we asked at the beginning, what were some of the qualities that we had? He was uh, initially very obedient. He was courageous. He was not greedy. He stuck with it, et cetera, et cetera. He ended up being gullible and willing to trade what he knew God said for a favorable message when it was couched in the terms Oh, but an angel of the Lord told me by the word of the Lord. And, you know, bait can come in when you're fishing, you use bait for the kind of fish you want to catch. This one, this fellow was not going to be swayed by Jeroboam saying, I'll put you in prison. He was not going to be swayed by a king's, you know, uh, wealth. But he was swayed by somebody who looked like one of us. Yes, and, and who, said, uh, who, who, who used the right vocabulary. Oh, an angel of the Lord spoke to me by the word of the Lord, and it's okay. Well, Scott, you and I are talking before about that. How many times have we heard people say that uh, the Lord spoke to me? All the time. Right? And you were telling the story about, I don't know if I asked it or what. What if you put two? <laughs> I had that happen with two different people as well, but I wasn't able to get the two different people. I mean, I asked one of the fellows, hey, this other fellow told me he heard from the Lord too. He said this. Well, you actually had had the opportunity of putting those two types yeah. of people together. What happened there? I'll see if I can get to the time for it if we do or not, but Steve has a question. Go ahead or comment, Steve. I was going to bring in 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 12, that this is not a a new thing, a new tactic of Satan to get at us. Uh, Paul writes, and what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their yeah. deeds. Yeah. Hey, Scott, Scott, you got to tell us the two angels well, of light that I, you brought I, into I, the I'll room. put it in 30 seconds. Go ahead. So in Prague years ago, this one guy, the angel of happiness had rained on him, and 
and he, God would turn him into different animals, but he couldn't tell you what kind he was till the next week. God spoke to him, bunch of nonsense. This other guy, this engineer, came across an intellectual, but then he starts talking about God speaks to me, but sometimes he lies to me to see if I'm smart enough to catch him. My translator said, he thinks he's smarter than God. And, and I said to this engineer guy, I said, look, I got another guy that says that God speaks to him. No, no, he doesn't speak to him. You know, he speaks to me, but not to him. So I just got the two of them together. You know what? <laughs> and I put them together and I let them talk. And then they're talking back and forth. And then they're all smiles. And they said, he said he'd believe me if I believe him. And they walked off. <laughs> we have one more question or comment from the audience. April Starr says, thanks for this class. This story is so strongly in contrast to the prevalent idea that if you just generally do more good things than bad things, you must. Uh, yeah. Point. I, I think, you know, this, this raises the question, like, we want to make sure we're listening to God. And at the root of that, the foundation of that is to make sure we really appreciate and recognize the Bible, the scriptures, the word of God. The question what becomes, that, Robert? what's that? Sorry, I didn't read. Go ahead. The, the question then, because maybe we should bring this up for a discussion in a future show, is how can we make sure we have it, that that is the word of God, especially when people ask us, hey, how can you prove that's the word of God? Because that's the most important thing about it. Stephen, the proverb that you mentioned again, we'll close on that. Buy the, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Proverbs 23, 23. Thank you, everybody. All right. See everyone next week. Take care.